Welcome to the Lighthouse Financial Advisors Money Over 50 podcast with Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Lighthouse Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Hello everyone. Uh, today's topic is paying for private school and university. Uh, I'll introduce Dallas, uh, who's going to start off. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, this uh, is something that we we actually had a, had a debate about this the other day, having a coffee. And so, as I do, I then went away and crunched numbers around uh, what would what would happen if instead of paying for kids to go to private schools, um, in, especially in high school, and then paying for kids to go to university. What if you took that money and invested on their behalf instead? And the reason that we, we got talking about this is that it's something that we see a lot with, uh, with our clients, particularly in their, in their late 40s, 50s, um, coming in to see us. Is a, one of the big expenses is those, those private school fees. Uh, and also the, the cost of sending kids away to uni. And, and it's a big one um, that people are thinking about how to fund that. Uh, and so I sort of flipped the, flipped the question a bit and, and people tend to, in my mind, assume that it's just a given that uh, if you care about your kids, which everyone does, um, you want to give them the best possible start in life. And, the, historically, the best way to do that has been I'll send them to the best school, I'll pay for them to go to university, I'll throw money at this as much as possible and hope it gets them the best outcome possible. Um, now, so to do these, these quick calculations, I just assumed a cost of $20,000 per year uh, for the six years of high school plus four years of university. Now, obviously, that is um, probably a bit of overs for most people based here in Townsville, but... I thought that gives us an idea of it. If we assume that someone's going to a, a, an expensive um, high school from grade seven to 12, and then they're being, uh, you know, their, their living expenses are being paid for them to go away to, to do a four year university degree at a, at a top uni somewhere. Um, so what I've basically said is if you just didn't do that, if you sent your, sent your kid in grade seven to the local state school or, I don't actually have kids as you probably can tell by the way that I, I don't really know what I'm talking about here with a lot of these costs, but you sent your kid to the local state school assuming no costs at all for that and then when they finished school they're on their own and they either went and got a job or they went to uni or whatever but they funded all their living needs. If you just took that $20,000 per year and put that away and invested that for them, by the end of that 10 years of their six years of high school plus four years of uni, they have about $300,000 put aside. So that was kind of um, obviously not not a huge surprise. If if you're gonna put $20,000 a year away for 10 years, that's $200,000 just in in the the contributions that you've made. You've also got, by the end of that 10 years, about $100,000 worth of growth on top of that. So at the end of that 10 years, that kid's 21, they are either freshly out of a university degree or you would be able to cut them a cheque for $300,000. So that one's um, a, a big difference. But then when I 
when I extrapolated that further, uh, by age 30, if you didn't cut them a check for $300,000, which I think most people at 21, the last thing that you would actually want to do is, is write a kid a check for, for 300 grand. If you, if you left that invested and then said, okay, at age 30, I want to be able to buy them a house, uh, that's, that would actually be able to grow and tick along in their 20s and be able to buy, buy them a house so it would, the investment would be worth about $500,000 at that point in time. Even if you assume um, the average long-term capital growth rate of about 3% for, for residential property, that would buy them a house worth about 300000 in today's dollars. So again, in other places that may not be um, that useful, but in Townsville, at the moment, average house price of about 300000 you can you can buy a decent house for that. So again, extrapolating that, at the end of 10 years, you could cut your kids a check for 300 grand. At the age of 30, you could actually just go and pay cash for a house for them. So there's no mortgage. They never have to worry about any of those those costs. They've just got a, a house that's been been paid for. The the last one that I that I, I won't shoot holes in that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, think you, I, think, I think you're actually going to let me get through. For the purposes help. of today, we've decided that I'll play devil's advocate. So some of these points. I, I, I would agree with or strongly agree with, but, but for the purposes of today, I'm going to challenge Dallas's assumptions. And the first assumption that I'm going to challenge, who wants to give their, who wants to pay <laughs> for their kid's house? Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you should, I'm not saying anyone should be doing these things. I'm just saying that it's possible. It, it's, it could happen. So the people that are going to be doing this yeah. are in their 50s now. Yep. Maybe 50s, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, their kids will, arguably they've had superannuation for their whole working careers, but their kids will definitely have superannuation yeah. for their whole working careers. Yeah. And uh, they would have also had probably increased super contributions. That will. And their parents. Um, and no one gave mum and dad a free house. Absolutely So not. why should the kids get a free house? They're not gonna, without struggle, yeah. There is no progress. <laughs> okay. The the whole point of what I'm saying here is I'm not saying that they... I, I think particularly the last thing you want to do is give a 21-year-old a cheque for $300,000. What I'm saying is that it's effectively what we're doing, isn't it? By, by paying for kids' schooling, aren't we, aren't we investing in their human capital so that they can then, you know, get a better, better job, higher income, all those types of things... If that's the point of what we're trying to do here is pay for our kids to go to school, go to uni, to be able to earn more income, why don't we just cut the middleman out? Why don't we just invest the money on their behalf and and cut them a cheque or buy them a house or, or whatever the case may be? The I think I think a big part of of paying for education is that you want your children to be able to stay on their own two feet. And to find rewarding careers, uh, to find, yeah, to basically, to basically find careers that they're going to uh, pay them enough, uh, and also be something that they, they like to yeah. do as well. Um, plus, plus learn, plus learn some other lessons as well, and learn some other lessons on their own two feet. I I question giving, I question giving children any type of 
I, I, I question it as well. What, so, so. what I also question though is, is the whole concept of, as you're saying, these, uh, these lessons or so, so no, one, no one paid for you to go to university, for example. No, and it, look, it's, a, it's a really interesting point. So, um, I, and, and I said I was going to play devil's advocate. I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you on this point. <laughs> so, um, I think I think once you get to university, so you're an adult at that point in time. Yeah. Um, you're a young adult. Um, my my opinion there is that is that you should, being an adult, you should pay for your own university. Yeah. And. Um, in Australia, I mean, we, we, we have a, a reasonably easy to fund system, yeah. which is the HEC from the yes, health system. Right. So, I mean, um, uh, you, you, you obviously borrow the money and you end up with the debt once you graduate. Uh, you are taxed extra amounts, um, but it's not the form of, it's not the true form of tax, which just goes to the, the government. Yeah. The extra five or the extra six or the extra seven percent that you tax, depending on on what income you earn with a hex debt or a health debt, as they call it now, um, actually goes to paying that debt off. Yeah. And 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 my my thoughts are that yeah, you do value. You would generally value your union degree if you know that you're paying for it yourself. Yeah. And and, and you know, it, you would you would generally yeah. put in the put in the work that was required to to make it a success. Yeah. Um, if your parents are just paying your way, they're less likely to. They're less likely to. Yeah, it's like anything. It's it's not to say that no one would do that, and that. Um, but I, so so there's already a, a middle ground somewhere, which is sort of uh, I guess if you said okay, well I want them to go to the to a really good high school, and um, in those formative years of of their, their teenage <coughs> years, I want them to be around the right people and around in the right environment. So you could you could. Um, have it both ways a bit there, and say, right, well, I'll pay, I'll pay a bit of overs for them to go to a really good high school. But once you once you leave school, you're on your own, and I'm paying for the, and you and you're not paying for anything. I'm going to take that twenty thousand that I would have paid to send you to uni or to fund your living expenses. You go and get a part time job. You do it however you need to. I'll invest that on your behalf. So it doesn't. Obviously, that's going to not going to have the same. Financial effect as you know, putting twenty thousand aside a year for ten years. But but you're right. That is a, a point where you could just take those last years and, and have the same, apply the same sort of concept. Um, I guess the 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 point there is is what we're sort of already already getting to is that you know we we don't actually probably we debate this back and forth within the office. There's no real right or wrong answer. It's it's completely different based on. The, the attitude of the, of the kid, the, the school that we're talking about, the university, depending on your, um, you know, what your beliefs are as a parent, all those things apply here. My concept is this is not something that people tend to, tend to even debate. It's just, it's just accepted that, well, we should send them to the most expensive school that we can and the, and the most expensive university we can because that's the best way to give them a start. So you have some questions here that you you would you would believe that people should be looking at before actually making that that um, automatic decision. Well, and and that's like I say is that it may well be that people uh, think about all this and and still decide that that's the, the the right course of action. But 
it's one that, uh, as a as a soon to be new parent, I think about this: is that you know, what is it that people are actually hoping to achieve by sending their kids to to private school or paying for their kids to go to uni? And that's, as you touched on there, it's not necessarily just about uh, marketable skills in in the workforce or anything like that. It, it may well be about in an environment that they want them to to interact with other people, they want them to. Um, you, know, you you had a, a story about um, when you were in high school and the teachers that that you had there. Yeah, I mean, and, and teachers come and go, obviously, and retire. Um, but but you know, I had some very good teachers. Uh, I didn't go to a private school per se. I went to a Christian Brothers uh, all boys Catholic school, um, which which I found really really good for both academic and sport and and mentorship in that a lot of the ex-students of the school and it's more so now um, have have gone and become teachers there however like i said i, I really enjoyed it i had no other benchmark though i mean i yeah. I, I could have that quite easily just enjoyed well, um, well, any, any, any other school this is the, the problem with a, with a lot of uh, i think a lot of the time the decision that gets made here is that you don't get you don't get to run it around and try it again and do it somewhere else, and so that's the attitude that I think people tend to have, and, and it makes sense is to go. We only get our kids <coughs> only get one shot at high school and at and at those formative years, so we don't know whether there's we don't know whether there's value added by sending them to a prestigious school or to an expensive school, but why roll the dice? So my concept here is not to say that you shouldn't. You shouldn't care about your kids' future, and that you shouldn't, um, you know, be trying to do what's best for them. It's just that there is a there is a cost benefit trade off that needs to be made. And, and you give me a hard time at being like like Spock out of uh, Star Trek all the time. And this is the way that that my brain works: is that if we're trying to give kids the the best outcome, if it's a purely financial thing we're looking at, and trying to get them into the best position to get the highest paid job, I think that. More and more now, that type of um, that type of education is maybe not as valuable as what it used to be. Um, uh, the, the the job market, the economy changes all the time. The the skills that someone you know needed fifty years ago are probably just not the same anymore. And it's I've got no doubt that the skills that people are learning in schools right now are probably going to be very different than what's needed in in the economy in 10, 20 years time. So is the most efficient way to put our kids in the best possible situation to pay for them to go to this private school or is it to actually allocate that money elsewhere? And so like as you were saying, you probably don't want to cut a check for for a kid for three hundred thousand or buy them a house or whatever. What if you took that money, put it into an account and said, okay, well from twenty to thirty there's money there that's that's set aside. If you decide that you want to um, start a business or do something like that, you can use some of that money to do it. I understand why you've done this because you need to be able to you need to be able to quantify this. Exactly. So you, yeah, I, I can understand why you said that. You that's know, that's what the to cost quantify is. At, a, at an age thirty instead of putting that money into um, paid education, they, yeah. could, they could have the free education, which. Yeah. Let's face it, um, our free education system is fantastic yeah. if you go around the, 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 the yeah. world and... and, yeah. and um, you're, you're just trying to stay on side of all the teachers who are listening. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, well I, always, I always think it's a miracle we've been born in Australia. It's an absolute miracle. Yeah. So we're, we're only 20 million yeah. out of the 7 billion. Yeah. Um, and it's just a miracle. 
we've yeah. all been born in. Yeah. Like, so so we're, we're, we're that far ahead if you measure yes. uh, other countries around the world in terms of, of our health system and education system that's provided to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 is, it is excellent. So, so yeah. there's, there's, I understand, yeah. understand why you come back to the money side of things because if you're comparing, okay, well, if, 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 if you went to a non-paid uh, yeah. education provider and actually put that money, you have to quantify that somewhere. Exactly. Um, I'm playing bills over <laughs> because I think there's other uses <coughs> for that money. Yeah. Um, if you decide that the, the use isn't to pay for your child or children's education, there are other uses yeah. for that money. But I'll let you continue on with your... Uh, I, I guess that's the, the point of what what we've... We, we, we've debated this in the office for, for hours and we'll probably continue to do so. There's no right answer here. But the, the, the thought that I kind of want, want people to take away from today is that there is a, there's, a cost, <coughs> there's a cost and a benefit to everything, obviously. So the, the, the cost of sending your kid to, to an expensive high school or to an expensive university, of, you can quantify that as it costs $20,000 a year. Now, what's the benefit of that? We don't know. Um, you, if, if people aren't doing that, you just hope that they have, have made that as an informed decision and, and thought through, what do I think the benefits of this education will be and do they outweigh the costs of that? The, the same thing applies for, I guess, the flip side of that, though, is that what I'm saying is that if you, if you didn't send that, uh, didn't pay for those education expenses, the cost is that that child might miss out on potentially some of the advantages of going to that private school or going to the university. But the benefit is also something that, that needs to be quantified. And so it's not a, it's not a, a simple as, should I, should I pay for my kid's education or, or should I just blow that money? This is kind of what I'm, I'm raising as a, as a, a thought exercise is that there's, there's a middle ground here is to say, okay, if I wanted to, if I wanted to be able to help my kids out, is, is paying for that education the most effective use of that, that cash to be able to do so? So the, in an extreme example, what I actually calculated here is to say that the same thing applied. If you put that $20,000 a year aside for 10 years and then said, okay, that, my child isn't allowed to touch that until they're age 60. So that just sits there uh, in their super fund or ticking along in the background they have to. They haven't had the benefit of this uh, this great education, so they 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 still have to go out in the workforce and, and find their own way and, and earn an income to live off until age sixty. But by the time they get to age sixty, they'd have just over three million dollars just from this cash that's been put aside. Now, obviously, by that point in time, inflation will have raised prices by a fair bit. It actually works out that. Uh, at 3% inflation will have raised prices by four times by then. So something that would cost $1,000 now would cost $4,000 at that point in time. But even allowing for inflation, that, would allow, that amount of money would provide a retirement income of $50,000 per year in today's dollars, pretty much through until age 90. So what I'm saying is that not paying for their education and putting that money aside completely funds their retirement, which is a big component of what people are working for is to try and save money, put that aside for time. Let me tell you what's happening. <laughs> the child or the children know that their retirement's going to be enhanced by $3 million yep. by age 60. So they don't save anything. They don't save anything. 
instead of living in a $500,000 house, they'd buy a $1.5 million house. They'd pay it off. <laughs> they finance a Maserati. <laughs> they spend that money the whole of their life before, they, before it's due. That may be true. That may be true. So again, I know you have to quantify it, and it's a staggering number. But yeah. I don't doubt that. It's yeah. a staggering number. If you, if you look at it in those terms, $20,000 a year times 10 years, yeah. $200,000 of total money yeah. going into education. If it went into their superannuation fund, they'd have over three million, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over three million. Yeah. So it's a, it's a staggering figure. Yeah. It's an absolutely staggering figure. And it just shows you how compounding yeah. does work over that period of time. Yeah. Um, and I understand you've had to have quantified it, and it does provide some perspective. Yeah, as it's, it's a terrible you. thing to do. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to do. You're ruining your children. I, You're I, absolutely so. Think about this from the perspective of um, for anyone who's listening and, and is in in this position where, say, they're fifty years old, for example, and they're thinking of trying to they're trying to fund their kids' education. If you're fifty right now. And you went, okay, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to think about my retirement savings. My retirement savings were already seeded. Um, you know, if you're 50 years old and you, your education was paid for, your <coughs> kid, your university was paid for, all those types of things, are you sitting there now going, I'm glad that all that was paid for me? Or are you sitting there going, geez, I kind of just wish that, that my parents had put that money aside for me and I didn't have to worry about my retirement income. And I'm not saying that that's what would happen. I'm just saying it, it is a, a situation that, that you could be in. I think, I think giving anyone anything um, beyond the point in time that they become an adult is, is, is very dangerous. Yeah. I think it's dangerous. And no. the danger is that, is that um, you take a... This isn't the best analogy, but you take... You, you make a a wild animal captive and it relies upon that. It relies upon the food that you handed out all the time. So, I mean, I think with with anything like that, um, there is a danger to to giving um, your children money. I mean, there are variations of that. Variations are, hey, you guys, um, if you, we have a fund over here. Now, if you want to buy a house, um, we will fund you dollar for dollar. So. Yeah, rather than paying cash for a house, they just do, yeah. in your example, you say, okay, well, if you guys save uh, yeah, $150,000, we'll match that with $150,000 yeah. in, yeah. in, that, in that respect. So, yeah. um, but but this, this now gets into, the, that's, a, I guess, a whole other topic that, again, we've spent hours debating and will forever, which is you know, how best to um, teach your kids about money and the value, mm. of, uh, value of money and the value of being a contributing member of society, all those types of things. What I'm, what I'm saying is you could just skip all that entirely. <coughs> so the example you use of the, the, the wild animal uh, in captivity is that what I'm proposing is to say that, that I'm not saying that you fund that child's lifestyle from 21 onwards. I'm just saying you go, okay, well, I don't know, I don't know what you will need when you, when you turn 21, when you're out in the big bad world. I don't know if the skills that you're learning in school or the, the, the university degree you're doing, I don't know if that's going to be valuable to you. What I do know is going to be valuable is an investment that's sitting there tucked away. That money is the ultimate commodity. It, it is. It's it easy to quantify. It is easy to quantify the comparison then because you're saying that, that 
you, you don't do this and you get X amount of dollars. Yes. Um, and that's and that's a, I mean it's a really easy yeah. it's a really easy one to quantify. Is it in the best interest of the the child? Well, it could be. The answer is it could be. Yeah. If the if the child or children um, have the right attitude and yeah. and um, have uh, you, you know, the parent or the parents have discussed money with them and, and they have a healthy relationship with money, it could be the right answer. It yeah. certainly could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 it all depends, of course. Like anything, it depends. Yeah, yeah. The um, I think that also ties into the, one of the points, which is that, as I was saying before, what is it that people are hoping to achieve by sending their kids to, to private school, to uni, or the rest of it? In reality, the, the, the types of people that are thinking about this for their kids are probably going to be the types of people that are also going to be teaching their kids the importance of, you know, the importance of working hard, the value of money, all these types of things. So... What I would sort of um, say there is that your argument that kids learn other things not related to uh, not related to marketable skills, but they learn different things about how to behave or how to fit into society. The types of people that are that are sending their kids to these schools are probably the types of people that are going to do the work with their kids to teach them those things, regardless. Mm. So, and there's a third option. We probably don't have too too much time to go into, but but the third option is that you take the $20,000 a year and you buy time with your children. That's a, that's a great point. So you, that, that, that $20,000 per year would buy you time. Either in the, in, either you work uh, 0.8 of the yep. year um, or you take a day off a week or yep. yeah, you, you, you save that money up and you move overseas for a year and the children are immersed in the... French culture or the New Zealand culture or the yeah the Italian culture yeah. where where New, New, New Zealand doesn't have culture so <laughs> 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 but yes, that's um, yeah um, so so yeah there, there are variations of that but that's exactly that's a great point is that it's not necessarily to say that um, a mate of mine. Jimmy Brownlee always says to me that my answer to everything is to put it in super. So I've obviously compared here putting the money, uh, paying for schooling or putting the money into super. But that's the extreme. I understand why you've done that because it's easy to quantify. Yeah, but as you say, you could well say uh, that $20,000 a year rather than spending that on um, either spending it on schooling or putting it into uh, an investment on their behalf, you could say, right, this year we're going to take our we're going to take a child to India and volunteer there and he's going to learn about true, pro- true poverty and he's going to uh, be grateful for, the, for the, 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 the world that he's grown up in, all those kinds of things. So there is definitely a, uh, a middle ground there as to, as to what you can do. Um, the point that I, that I guess you, that I, I'm, I'm now going to pretend that you've made my point for me even though you kind of haven't, which is that there is a there is a trade-off that needs to be made with that money in that at some stage the amount that the amount that you're paying for school fees or to pay for university or to pay for for any of those types of things there is there is always an opportunity cost for that which is what else could be could that be used for and that's you know it's a bit of an extreme case <coughs> we assume twenty thousand dollars per year for a lot of situations it's going to be much less than that but I would say that that there's at some stage there there's a cost per year that isn't that just isn't going to be um, it's no longer worth it to spend that money on that education so it might be 
depending on, like we said, what your your child's aptitude or attitude or what schooling you're you're tossing up. You know, obviously, if the school fees are going to be forty thousand dollars a year versus four thousand dollars a year, there's a big variation there. It's just another way to think of it is to go, okay, well, maybe maybe I don't spend twenty thousand dollars a year on private school fees. Maybe I find a good Christian brothers school that makes a, an upstanding citizen like Michael out of you, and I spend four thousand dollars a year, and so I've got that sixteen thousand dollars a year to you know, put aside or to spend on some of those experiences or, as you say, to, to buy time, to not have to work as hard and to be able to spend more time with your kids. And those are all, those are all um, trade-offs that need to be made. This topic's reminded me of an SBS film. You, know, watch it, you watch an SBS film and it goes around and around and around. There's a beginning and a middle and then it just ends. And you think, it can't possibly be over. Like, nothing's been resolved. Nothing's been resolved, yeah. That's um, uh, so I think it's, it's, been, it's been a really interesting topic. It, it's it really is, good. Yes. I don't think we can wrap up. No. We can't even wrap up. Like no. We're just going to end. No, that's basically it. And no doubt we'll continue discussing this and debating and arguing about this for till the end of days. But hopefully that has at least uh, gotten your poor listeners involved in this in this debate and just given us something to think about in terms <coughs> of um, the opportunity cost of the trade or the other options that are available to you. So... I guess we could pretend that's put a nice bow on it and we'll stop there. We'll stop there. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.